Hello, my socially distant friends. My name is Chad. Welcome back to The Conversation. This is the Naked Leadership Podcast. I guess it's just serendipity or I I don't know what, but this week we happen to be talking about well-being with Jesse Pavelka. Jesse Pavelka is the owner of a company called The Pavelka Way. They provide well-being and physical fitness for uh, brands like Cisco and other corporate brands. And he also has an app coming out. So much stuff to talk about. He also was one of the trainers on The Biggest Loser. He just has such a fascinating story and some really good things to talk about when we talk about health and well-being in the corporate space and what our role as leaders is to make sure that our team and our company is healthy and well. So let's get into the conversation. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the conversation. This is Chad. I'm here with my normal, my reg, normal, my regular comrades. I, I'm always, I'm always interested. Don't call me normal. The, <laughs> I'm always interested to see where the intro is going to go. It just comes out. My, my typical comrades, the usual suspects, Adrian, Kaler, and Dan Takini. How are you, man? Hey, hey, good. I'm channeling my father. My father's favorite movie uh, is Young Frankenstein, and he loves the whole line of like AB Normal. I gra- I'll take the AB Normal uh, brain. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Great. Well, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. So, yeah, you're saying you're welcome. With that, we'll introduce our guest today. Our guest today is Jesse Pavelka. Jesse, thanks for coming to the conversation, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to this. Yeah, we're, we are excited to have you. So grateful that you were generous with your time to sit down with us, have a conversation. We adore the work that you're doing in the corporate space. Um, and I can't wait to dive into some of that. It's going to be fascinating. Um, there's so much to what you do. Even, I mean, I've, I've sat down and talked with you once and then I've done some research, getting, you know, preparing for this conversation. And there's just so much to it that is holistic which is a word that you use a lot in your work and yeah. I'm excited to, to find out more about that. So why don't, why don't we just start off? I think you'd be, do a much better job talking about what it is that you do than I would. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll t- actually to do that, what I'll do is go back in time a little bit because I think it's important to add that context to what is today. Um, you know, I started out as just a trainer in a gym. Uh, I was a human calculator. was really good at counting to 10, but I was also really good at helping people transform their bodies. It was very much the external side of fitness, the external side of health. And every, every time I worked with someone, all of my goals and aims for them were all about the external. Um, shortly after I became a trainer, I decided to specialize in bariatrics. So I worked with people that needed to lose a significant amount of weight. And for me, the game had to change because there's so much more going on there than just the physical. There's the mental, the emotional, there's the social, and in some cases, the spiritual for people that are open to that. And so I went on this whole journey of redefining what health meant for my clients. And the funny thing was I started to redefine what it meant for me. And this was kind of in my my early to mid-20s. When I looked at mental health, emotional health, social health, that wasn't really a part of my my, my personal practice, but I knew it was what my clients needed. Um, so I started working with people in that capacity, looking at their whole life. I took a, created a holistic approach. Um, I hadn't branded my, my, um, my philosophy, we call it today, but I hadn't really branded the way that I worked with people. So about 10 to 15 years, no, yeah, almost 15 years later, um, I teamed up with who's my business partner now, and we started a company called Pavelka. Now, Pavelka um, started to brand what I was already doing. Uh, We started to identify physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual well-being as what we call the four elements, which are now eat, sweat, think, and connect. And when we started out, we would travel across the UK. I'm going to give you kind of a visual here. We were traveling across the UK in a smart car, and I had this massive suitcase in the back of it. And we were doing workshops every weekend um, to groups of 10. And it was incredible. Like, it was, it was completely stressful. It was chaotic. Um, but what was really fascinating was this. While, while most of my work at the time was in weight loss, extreme weight loss, when we started doing these workshops, we started to attract people from all shapes, with all shapes and sizes, all different walks of life. So we started to see that the solution wasn't just about weight loss, it was about life and 
people gravitated to it that just wanted to overcome challenges in life. Uh, and so we got excited about that. From there, we started an online community uh, where those people could engage, they could start a conversation, they could support each other. And, uh, and it was just really nice to see. Now, fast forward about three years later, um, a client came to us and said, hey, we'd love to get Jesse involved in, uh, in supporting our employees. This was Cisco Systems at the time. Um, we were all about people. Um, we were only direct to consumer, so we only worked with you know, individuals and we would bring individuals together in groups and we would do seminars and everything else, but it was all direct to consumer. When the client came to us and said, we'd love for Jesse to work with us, we said, well, we also do a lot of other stuff over here. And so they looked at our online community uh, and they said, that would be really cool. So, so you guys, what, you start a conversation in that, in that, uh, on the online community, you keep people accountable and we're like, yeah. So Cisco said, okay, let's do a pilot. So we went into Cisco. I became the uh, ambassador of well-being for them. And then we created this online community, which again, it just brought people together from different parts of the world, different walks of life, different cultures. And we started a conversation and that conversation has continued for uh, almost five years now. And it's all based around the four elements of health, uh, eat, sweat, think, and connect. Everything we do is based around that. And essentially our, our mission really is to make, make well-being accessible, make feeling good accessible. Sorry, our vision is to make feeling good accessible. Um, and the reason is we know that when people feel good, they do good and with greater impact. Um, and so organizations love that. Um, we, we engage with leaders, we engage with teams, we do um, large events within the organizations that we work with, and it's, uh, it's really just about getting, we're start, it's about starting a conversation, getting people to start thinking a little bit differently about what, what health, what well-being means to them, and then, then giving them the tools to share and show their own practices on a day-to-day -day basis to impact the people around them. That is the long-winded version, Chad, and hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> it absolutely did. It's beautiful. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. So now that you've, you've had years of experience working with individuals, but also going into the corporate setting and work, also working with leaders, are there, are there unique challenges that you have observed that maybe leaders, specifically corporate leaders, this being the Naked Leadership Podcast, yeah. are, there, are, there, are there unique hurdles or unique um, challenges that leaders have when they think when they think about wellness and that holistically and well-rounded and and you know through the eat sweat think and connect which I absolutely love I love the the four uh, the four I don't know what you call them quadrants or whatever elements, yeah, elements. yeah. 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 Um, have you have you uh, observed or or noticed unique challenges there yeah I think you know when you when, first of all let's go back in time a little bit historically well-being, health, uh, when delivered in the way that we deliver it, has always been kind of a cute thing to talk about. It's been a ticked box. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have time for that. And historically, too, when we look at just work, the culture of work, you're there to do a job. So, you know, if we look 15, 20 years ago, if we saw someone sitting down doing breathing exercises in the office, you would think that they had lost their minds. Um, or if you saw someone even going to the gym, uh, at some point throughout the day that uh, that was something that was like, well, you should be working. So what's been really great is I think the times that we're in now is the conversation has shifted. And while leaders are still very skeptical, it's like, okay, great. Uh, you know, this, this, we get it's important, but we don't see how it's possible. Just the fact that they are now seeing that it's important gives us an opportunity to say, okay, cool, so you agree that it's important. Let us show you how. And I think that that's, that's been really nice. The biggest hangup though with leaders, because this is your question, is getting them to go from, a, from, from this kind of, this idea of, okay, it's important to, okay, it's possible. Um, and, and not it just being a ticked box or you know, this cute thing that HR does for, for the organization. Yeah, can I, tell me about like that skepticism. For them, what's it rooted in? What did you, as you heard the resistance, where did, what, what was the skepticism rooted in? That's a great in? question. 
Yeah, I would say that it is from, well, it goes back probably from what they were exposed to as children, to how their parents worked, to, um, to the fact that there is so much out there around health and well-being. Um, to these ideas that that needs to be done in isolation. There's, there's so much complexity to, to their beliefs, uh, and it's going to change per person. I think, I think high performers um, and leaders, most leaders are high performers, let's be honest. They take care of themselves, but a lot of it is done in isolation. So they do it off to the side in the corner. They carve out that, that hour of time or 30 minutes of time to do the run, go to the gym, and then they re-engage with work. To have a cooperative collective experience where, okay, you're a leader, but you're sharing this with your team, you're getting your team involved, that, is, that goes against their nature a bit. And so I think a lot of it, a lot of it is going from this, this isolated practice to this uh, cooperative collective practice. And that doesn't mean that you're all exercising together, but it means that your conver the conversation around well-being is alive within that team. And sometimes that's a, that's a hurdle to get over with, with, with a leader, a high performer. Yeah, that's interesting. But it totally made, I mean, that, that I didn't, that didn't even predict that one. That, that totally makes sense. Like that most, even just for myself, when I, if I commit to a, I hate running, but sometimes I'll commit to a big race just to get myself running. And I like, one of the aspects I like about it is it's kind of like alone time. Like it's like yeah. justified me time and like yep. not, not to worry about anybody else. I just put an audio book on um, and I'm just, it's like set aside. Interesting. And I, and I think that's great. I think you need that. You know, for you, that's like meditation in motion. That's your that's where you kind of just process your day or life or get yeah. rid of any kind of stress or overwhelm. Yeah. But I think we also need to balance that out with connection. And when we talk about well-being, yes, I'm all for the, you know, the, those leaders and those teams you know, having their isolated practices. But coming together and sharing that is what makes the difference in an organization, making it visible. And this goes back to sharing and showing. Engage with your teams. Let them know what you do. Um, in some cases, involve them in what you do. And it doesn't just have to be exercise. It's nutrition. Uh, it's really paying attention to your language. We, you know, we had a conversation recently, all three of us, and, uh, and it was around language. And, and if, we're, if we're aware of the, the language that we're using and the conversations that we're having, if we can identify that as a practice of well-being, then all of a sudden, going from how, how is this possible? Going from, I get it, it's important, but how is it possible? Those moments are where you see it's possible because it shows up in ways you wouldn't have thought. Um, and I think that's, that's, for us, that's a big win. When a leader steps back and says, you know what, just me creating space here for myself today is me practicing or engaging in my own well-being. Me having this conversation that I usually wouldn't have with this team member because they're struggling, asking them how they're doing, I can identify that as well-being. And then all of a sudden, you start to believe that it is possible and it doesn't show up necessarily in the ways that you uh, historically would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, the thing that I found interesting about your answer in this trend of <clears throat> well-being and isolation is I don't think we've had a single episode yet on this podcast where we didn't talk about the ways that leaders isolate themselves. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's interesting to notice that pattern that it shows up everywhere yeah well then there's a distinction between being alone and being lonely mm. right because mm. i there's i Good regenerate point. i can regenerate when i'm alone and when i'm lonely it's because i'm i've got all kinds of rackets and stories i'm running inside me that separates me from other people either fear or anxiety or some self-consciousness or you know, I've, I've got this whole story built up that there's no way I, anybody would understand where I'm at. And so now when I'm with people, I'm alone. And when I'm by myself, I'm alone. So there's no regeneration. It's like stressed achievement wherever I'm at because I'm just right up against yeah. it. And it's like what you were saying. I, I know, Adrian, when you were like when that triathlete stuff, I noticed how it was rounding for you uh, just mm. to get out and get that head time, right? That head space where you can be alone and then that enables you to be with other people when you come out of it. Yeah. For you, not and Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it, 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 regenerate is the right word for it. It's just provocative as well. Like I, I like to work out in the morning because I like how I think about myself after I've worked out in the morning. You know? It's, it's, 
Yeah, I think, I, and that's that's the thing. It's like we look at exercise as a physical act, you know, on the surface, but you go below that, and it's like let's talk about self compassion. Let's talk about all the things that happen when you actually show up and you give yourself the gift of movement. There's so much attached to it that we don't that we aren't even conscious of. We experience it, we feel it, but we can't necessarily identify it when it's happening. It's, yeah. it's just kind of a slow grow in the body or in the in the in the, in the shift in, in the mental shifts that are created, and so. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we, it's, it's easy to say, you know, I burned 300 calories today, but to, to then identify the impact that that has on you yeah. and the confidence it builds and the compassion that you start to create for yourself, that's, that's the real benefit. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm changing my body chemistry, but I really do it for the change in my brain chemistry. Yeah. You know, even before I get on uh, confession time, before I get on a call <laughs> that I'm nervous about, like let's say I'm about to talk to a potential client, a big client, and I'm nervous, right? For for whatever reasons, I'm nervous. Yeah. And more, probably probably more often than not, I do something right before the call to get myself set. Whether that's you know walking around the block, whether that's like doing 20 push-ups right here next to me, just to kind of feel, you know, energy, feel energized, remind myself I have strength. You know, to kind of get myself in a, in a readiness state is what I call it. Get myself in like this state yeah. of, okay, I'm here, I'm present, I'm strong, I'm here, now I can listen, now I can be connected, you know, and gets me through, gets me out of any of the doldrums or any of the fears I've got before. I got to remind myself of the, the power that I've got access to and really who yeah, I am. We have a we have a whole series. It's called the out of the head series. And one of the ways we have people deal with stress is getting out of the head and into the body, right? The last thing we want to do whenever we're consumed with stress, when that story is, you know, growing and we're ruminating is to get up and go for a walk. We want to stay in it because there's something that's really important about it. But what we try to communicate to people, especially in organizations is look at where you can get out of your head, out of your head and into your body out of your head and into your lungs, into your breath, out of your head and into service. All of these things are ways for you to help manage that stress response and go into a, go into a meeting, a conversation, anything that's creating that stress response in your life with a bit more ease and awareness. Yeah. Um, you know, you also get to, you also get to contrast, like this is me at high stress. And this is, this is what it feels like when I engage in an activity that helps me manage that stress. And a lot of people are afraid to, to take those actions and experience that contrast. And it's, you know, this goes back to like relationships with stress, which are, you know, those, those go back into people's child and into people's childhood. And just, just allowing yourself to create a new relationship with stress is a really, uh, and, and allowing exercise to be the, the supporter is a really, um, a really great tool to bring into, uh, into your routine. Yeah. Well, even, even for me, I mean, I know I've got, there's different types of stress for me, right? So there's a certain type of stress that I actually employ and I've employed it for decades, which yeah. is like, like a sense of, I mean, I, I grew up as an athlete, like it's like, like a like game day type stress. Like I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm energized. I want to get on the field. I'm nervous. You know, I'm playing all the plays in my yeah. head beforehand. I'm reminding myself about, all, you know, it's like, that's a type of like on my toes that type of stress I employ, I use it. There's other type, lots of other types yeah. of stress that I, I, if I don't watch it, I am that, like I'm just living in that conversation about what might go wrong or how I'm a fraud or all yeah. those types of conversations. Um, but I, you know, the, the making the distinctions about what type of stress is helpful for me has been, has been really helpful in the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when we, when I talked to you and asked you, you know, what, what aspect of leadership have you been passionate about recently or what are you learning in your life? And you mentioned energy, atmosphere, and trust. And I, I, I'm interested. I, I, I want to hear how each of those energy, atmosphere, and trust is showing up in a conversation about leadership for you. And it's specifically in the context of the work that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, for a leader, and this, this is something I need to own too. I think we all have to own our atmosphere and our vibe. And it's not always easy to do. And as a leader, you know, you, you really have to be aware of the impact that you have when you walk in a room, when you, when you, the conversations that you have, those all impact. People are looking to you for answers. They're looking to you for direction. Um, and when you come in stressed, overwhelmed, it is just, it's, it's contagious uh, because of the position that you're in. So I think 
atmosphere is key, owning your atmosphere, your vibe, and then the energy, right? And that energy can be created through presence, through, um, through conversation, um, you know, getting excited about goals, getting excited about your vision. Uh, we just did a workshop with you guys, Dan and Adrian, and, you know, coming off the back of that, you can't help but get excited. You start looking into the future, and that starts to create a really positive story. Taking that conversation into the team on, is super. It depends on what future you're looking into, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is the choice, right? Like you can you can you can look into it and it's overwhelmed, or you can overwhelming, or you can look into it as that's going to happen. And, and you know, just so you know, we're 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 really excited about the possibilities. Um, and then sharing that though, right? Sharing that with your with your teams, which we did recently. We had a team meeting on Monday. Um, Sharing that enthusiasm, that excitement uh, is really key. And I think that's where the energy goes. Now, whenever we look at well-being, because everything that we do is around well-being, I, I, the word itself is kind of annoying. I have to say it a lot, but I'm going to have to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to use wellness, which is probably even more annoying. Um, but the, <laughs> vitality, man. Vitality, I'm so, telling you. Vitality. Uh, vitality. Yeah, vitality is a good one. Yeah, t it is. Let's go with vitality for now, and I'll, I'll – uh, that's, I'll let you on that one, uh, um, Adrian. So when we look at energy, like how do we create energy? And energy is going to be defined differently per person, right? What creates energy in your life is going to look different than what creates energy in my life. But if we bring the four elements in, it gives us a bit of a how-to, right? So if I, if I said to you, okay, how do you eat, sweat, think, and connect? What would your answer be, Chad? Oh, um, try to eat the best I can. I sweat as early as I can so that it's done for the day. Uh, I spend my day in thinking, so that's great. <laughs> and uh, I connect <laughs> uh, as well as I can with the time that I have. What are the things that bring you energy? Uh, talking with people about yeah. things that matter. Right. So engaging with the world around you, having meaningful yep. conversations, that charges you up. And after you get out of a conversation like that, you take that, that, that energy into the world, into your teams, um, it has an impact on them, right? So for me, like if I look at my life, not in relation to my role, but just in relation to me as a human being, like being around my son gives me energy. It's exhausting. But knowing in the back of my mind that I'm being a good father and I'm making time for it, that gives me an energy. And it gives me that peace of mind. Exercise, eating healthy. I know I just went from pure, not purely meat-based, but from a lot of meat and a lot of fish to pure, not pure plant-based either, but mostly plant-based. And I've noticed my energy levels have, have increased, right? And so I'm able to bring that into my presence, into the way that I show up. Um, and then when I look at mental and emotional health, right, part of it is my sweat routine, my exercise routine. The other part of it is around awareness and just owning my atmosphere and being able to communicate when, you know, I am struggling or when I am on my A game and I'm ready to go, right? So for me, that gives me energy. Um, and that energy isn't always, you know, up here, but just identifying it and being able to communicate it with the people around me that are my support, my, my network, um, it, is, it is shared. And, uh, and it impacts everyone. Um, and then the last thing is around trust. Uh, and, and, and I think this is a big one. And this has probably, for me, been the hardest thing to, and I, and I still don't, don't do a very good job of it. Um, you know, we tend to allow our past experiences to show up in all parts of our lives. And I would say even in my, my relationship with my business partner, uh, my relationship with the team, I find trust is something I can struggle with. And I don't trust, I, I, don't, I, I don't question people's capabilities. I question people's motives at times. And, and sometimes I question, are they in line with the vision or the direction? Um, I'm usually reminded that I'm wrong and I can't trust people. Um, and so my journey is very much about trust. And I, I, I set that one up um, as a topic because for me, it's aspirational. It's not something that I'm, I'm, that's, that, I'm, that I'm really good at. It's something that I know is really important. Um, and bringing that into my communication, um, you know, whether, whether I'm the one giving or receiving the, that vulnerability, um, the trust is the outcome. And, um, 
and it's really important for me and my my growth and my my journey of transformation as a leader and a business owner. So you figured you could get some free coaching around trust. Yeah, guys, do you have time? Because <laughs> I know I know what's about to happen here. Adrian or, or Dan are about to psychoanalyze me, and I feel I feel like I can't trust this. <laughs> All of a sudden, <laughs> look, at, look at Adrian's face. Look at well, Adrian's if face. If we don't this do is, that now, then you won't be able to trust it. Oh, like, man. It so if you can... but it... <laughs> That's so funny. I, what I was thinking was, I mean, I, I, there's a, I forget who wrote this book. But anyway, somebody told me this quote the other day. The other day being like two years ago. Do you guys ever do that? Where it's like, oh, the other day. And that was like two years ago. Anyway. Somebody yeah. told me, we teach what we need to learn. Yeah. And I, I know that's true for me. I mean, I, I joke about it, but, and, but people probably get the joke that I'm my own first client. Like, you know, in the yeah. world, like, I, you know, I am client A. If I don't take care of client A, you know, it's <laughs> going to be a rough day for everybody. Um, right. And so, like, I know I'm in this work because I need, I need this work. Or at least my, my life is closer to the shape that I want it if I'm in this work. Right? I actually have tools. I'm in a practice of really being fully vital. And a lot of that for me happens, you know, between my ears and out in the world. And I'm always in a conversation about how I'm doing, how life's going and modulating and, and, you know, experimenting with how honest I want to be with myself. Right. You know, cause there's pluses and minuses to being honest, you know, and there's pluses and minuses to lying to oneself. I'm aware of yeah. you know, places I go. And I, so I'm, I'm wondering for you, you were, you're all right. I was thinking about what's for, I mean, kind of some of the origin story and some of the sourcing, right? Like what this for you, how did you, how, how did you find, or how do you find even today that being in these types of conversations that you have, that you need these or like, how do they serve you? Or, you know, as you're leading, I mean, part of the, the context of this conversation is kind of what it's like being a leader, hmm. you know, and part of that is, you know, experiencing yourself as you're leading something and experiencing yeah. the world as you're leading something. And then for each of us, you know, con the content or the context that we find ourselves in, that's also the conversations we're playing with. So I was just curious for you, like, as you lead this movement, have a great team around you, co-lead with Jill, um, for you, like, how do you need this work or what do you learn from this work? Or like, what are the, you alluded to the trust being part of it for you. I'm curious about <laughs> you know, some of the tensions that you battle, because uh, I know all of our listeners are really leading something. And these are the core types of conversations that people don't have. Um, yeah. We're all in, but we don't have them. Yeah, you know, if I, if I look back over time, um, my clients, when I transitioned from just training to training people and extreme weight loss, that work I needed for me, and it was, it was work that I was doing to give me something that I needed to hold myself accountable. Because at the time, I wasn't able to, I, I just wasn't walking the walk. I wasn't, and I don't think I needed to. I was in my 20s, but there was something I needed to get out of my purpose that um, was to hold me accountable, was to, to, to connect me to purpose. Um, it wasn't a straight line by any means. Nothing, nothing is. But what I noticed as you know, my, my career started to evolve and grow, there was always something that I needed to get. Now, some of those things were pure. They were, they were very, um, they, they were, um, gosh, how do I say? Yeah, pure. Other things were corrupt. And there was times when I needed my ego to be fed. There were times when I needed um, validation of some kind, which is obviously attached to ego. If I, if I fast forward to now, um, I would say, what do I get from what I do today? Um, it's definitely connected to purpose. Um, and I think I get challenged from it and not challenge in like a, Oh, it's a grind, but challenge from, I need, I, I want to solve this because it's important work. Um, and I don't know that. I think that's been, a, there's been an essence of that in everything that I do. Um, and I hope I'm answering this co correctly. I just realized I might just be going off on a complete tangent hey, here. Great. Oh, um, you going, baby great to some of the obstacles you've overcome that has really my sense is this is a real passion of yours uh, and that it has meaning personally for you in your own life that you're you're answering 
you know, I've worked with you for a while, you're answering a call in your own life. I'd love mm. to hear what that, what is that? I mean, how did that come about for you that you've taken this path? And because, you know, shoot, man, what you do is such a vital service. And a lot of people are attempting or doing it on a smaller yeah. scale. But so you've, you've hit a nerve and you've really, you know, you people are, are rallied around your voice. And I just like to, I wonder what, 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 what some of the origins story like you have that some of the obstacles you've overcome and things that you've yeah. broken through that have made, you know, strengthen your character. You know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and I get where you're going with that. I think, um, you know, my whole life, I think I've battled with, um, I would say there, there's probably been some mental health issues, not on an extreme level, but just on a, a self-worth, um, feeling, feeling connected. Isolation has always been a thing for me as well. Um, and what I found for me is like through the work, I, 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 I was able to find purpose and that purpose, you know, gave me some form of worth. Um, it also helped me build confidence, obviously connected to self, to, to worth is confidence. And I think that um, that confidence that's built from the work and the outcomes, um, it's something that really feeds me, something that I need. Um, what outcomes are you specifically like turn you on, like get you going? Yeah, well, outcomes meaning like seeing someone transform and transform not necessarily. Early days, it was about, you know, seeing people's weight drop on a scale, um, seeing them, you know, seeing them fit into the dress size that they desired. Uh, but that's, that changed for me massively, and it turned into seeing them smile, seeing them engaged in life, because I started to see that that meant more. So those kind of outcomes gave me, oh, I, I, I'm a good person, or, oh, I was a part of that. Um, and so that's a part of it. I will say more recently with my work, it's not, I, I'm, not I'm not involved in individual journeys anymore. I am on a small scale, but it's not my daily, you know, my daily uh, routine or, or purpose. And so I've had to be able to look outside of that and look at, and this is kind of a cool thing, is to, to look at actions that aren't directly related to an individual's journey, but look at how offering something to an organization, for instance, impacts hundreds of lives. And that doesn't necessarily involve my direct input, but it does involve, it involves my direction. It involves the team that we've built. And so I've had to kind of grow my understanding of what impact looks like and my involvement in that impact. And so if we go back to outcomes, um, it's, it's shifted from a scale to a feeling, an emotion, a way a person shows up to you know, the, the, the impact that I have on a room of 10 to the impact that I have on a room full of people, uh, hundreds, to now in the impact that a product or a webinar or, um, you know, uh, one of our resources has on an organization. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of the journey as, you know, when you look at scalability and when you look at, um, you know, the journey of a leader or a business owner, especially, um, you you have to start to redefine what outcomes and success look like. And you have to step back from, you have to step back from your own, um, your initial understanding of what it is and, and, uh, and allow people in, which I guess this, I'm trying to answer your question as well, which also means you have to allow people in. Um, and for an isolator, the work has given me that, that kind of, it's forced me to do that and to look at relationships and relationships that are good for me. You know, Dan, you, you met Jill, my business partner, and yeah. the journey that we've been on has been incredible. She knows me. She knows, you know, I can, I can be, I can self-destruct. I can get angry. I can, you know, I can you know, get in the way of things at times, but that relationship was built on a, um, a very human kind of, human level it wasn't oh i'm very skilled in this you're very skilled in that let's come together we came together because everything we did came from the heart and it was about people and so because of that foundation we've carried that on in our into our relationship 
And that's, again, you know, if you're someone that struggles with self-worth, struggles with isolation, that, that relationship has allowed me to, um, to be who I need to be and not be ashamed of it. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and, I, and that supports there. You know, my father used to tell me, you used to say when I was a kid, you know, Dan, if you want to know what kind of person you are, look at the people you surround yourself with. And meeting Jill was just a real pleasure. And it gave me a good insight into your, the heart. You, I mean, she's devoted to the mission. She's committed to you as yeah. a person. She's a deep, she's a good friend, extremely honest and yeah. really courageous as all get out and, and very disciplined. So, you know, it, was, it really was a powerful reflection of some of the, I could have been through fire together. And we went some more in the, even in our, in our session, which I thought was really the way she responded was courageous. So we, you and there was a new connection or a reinvention even on the next yeah. level. It was, it yeah. was honorable. To, it was a real honor to, to be just part of that. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, y'all's work and I'll, I'll just give a tip into that to you guys. It's, it's, it's sacred in a lot of ways because you have got to pull out things that to get to where, to get to where you need to be, you have got to, you've got to instigate conversations that are buried pretty deep. And, uh, and you guys did a great job of that. So well, you know, really appreciate a, that. there is a, I mean, there's, when you talk about resilience, you know, cause that's you know, a lot of your works around resilience and, yeah. and character and going again, <clears throat> it occurs to me that there's a learning, you know, so there's a feedback loop that if it gets cut off, it actually undermines um, my personal ability to, to, reinvent myself as the vision that I'm committed to. Like if I, yeah. if I'm not willing to look into the face of what's really there and I'm not willing to hear what's really there and I'm unwilling to be transparent about what's there for me. So if I'm not willing to be open to what's there and transparent about what's there with me, it radically cuts that, that learning loop down and, yeah. my, and, it, and it, it, it's harder to get up off the ground again. Right. It's like, it's kind of like, not that you don't get knocked down, but how many times can you get back up and how fast, right? And that was yeah. my biggest experience in working with you guys is your willingness to, okay, that didn't work, now what? And let's talk about it now. And yeah, I, I, we've been working about together for a while and watching you take another run again and again and again at what you're longing for, it's inspirational. I mean, it's, and to be part of that is, I, it's kind of like what I hear you saying about being involved with people when you're working with them uh, on all four fronts, right? It's beautiful to see somebody take themselves on and go after it again and then break through and be stronger yeah. for it, right? So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I, I think about, <clears throat> you, know, you, you, made, you made mention earlier, at least I, I wrote down the phrase, like you know, we started a conversation, and, and uh, like at Cisco, and I was thinking at the time, like I, get, I got what you meant by that, um, but also simultaneously, there was already a conversation going. Yeah. Around, you know, there's just, you know, there was just a limited one. And it's like, we just don't yeah. do that here or whatever, whatever the conversation was. Um, and this whole connection between, and thanks for being so vulnerable, by the way. This is the stuff that I think that all of us, I mean, this guy is longing for, like real deal conversations yeah. is what makes life worth living for me. Um, yeah. I've lived, I've lived and performed really well without being in a real conversation with myself or others. And it's despairing. Yeah. And yeah. I know the, the tension, at least it's easy patterns to see, especially tension among high performers like yourself, like all the people we work with of hard drivers, ambitious people. They, uh, including myself live under this, the way it should be conversation or how should yeah. I be conversation. And I think that, I mean, creates the context of I either ought to be that way or fake being that way. Like those seem like the two options, either be that way yeah. or fake it. And yeah. I, know, I know in my life and my own journey, man, living it, cause you can't be that way on tip top shape all the time and be a badass and kick out that it's not possible. And so, yeah. and because we live in this, you know, people love to call themselves perfectionists um, because I think it just justifies the hiding that comes by not being perfect. Right. <laughs> by not being perfect in some unreal sense, right? Like, that's right. That's like, right. It's a cover-up for, I know for me, when I'm procrastinating, I'm just insecure. And, yeah. yeah. It's a way of signifying my insecurity as if it's some kind of, you know, uh, artistic thing that I've just got to, you know, you don't understand what it's like to be an artist. I'm over here, you know, I'm, I, I've really got to tweak it, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, I, the, those things are super insidious too, like perfectionism. Um, I am guilty, massively guilty. And it, and it, you know, this goes back to the people around you too, as you know, having that added perspective and having people that know you too, when you're getting in the way of something saying you're doing it again, you know, this is just, just fucking push the send button. <laughs> just, you know, yeah. you know and, well, I, and that's part of, <laughs> I think that's part of, that's definitely part of my struggle is, is getting out of the way of certain things that, you know, this is, I, I tie this to reality and expectations for myself. And, and I have, there's the reality of what's happening and what's going to happen. And there's, there's this amazing extravagant thing that doesn't exist and never will exist. But all of a sudden I've come up with, so coming back down to reality for me is a must. Yeah. Well, I was thinking too, around, um, when we were talking about like leaders, how some, some, some people like their workout regimen or is like their own kind of sacred, uh, thing that they do, uh, you know, by themselves. And I was, right. I was thinking, I was thinking at the time, um, as well that it's I mean, if I choose to let other people see what's really going on, like how often I actually run versus just being known as a runner. Yes. <laughs> it's like, if I like, you know, for, form this group and we're posting what time we're up and how many miles we did, like I might just get busted by not being the guy, the persona yeah. that I've had, you know? And yeah. I just, I just think every, I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of projecting, uh, but I've seen plenty of evidence is like, you know, there's, there's a lot of pain there for a lot of people. I know I come up against a lot of despair with leaders, founders of companies, entrepreneurs, where it's like, we just, you know, we're known, we're, we're known for our best thing. And then we kind of live as slaves to it as if like keeping the best thing going or being this best version of myself is like the goal instead of there's a lot more freedom when it's like, Hey, I'm, a, I, I say it all the time to Ali. It's like, Hey, I'm a mixed bag. So sometimes I'm really insightful. Sometimes I'm really condescending. I don't know what's coming. Yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, uh, and I'm just always both, right? I'm, I'm an athlete yeah. and I'm a slug, man. Like I, you know, I'm lazy and I'm <laughs> and how, how amazing is that to be able to have both? Yeah. I mean, it's like, man, I, I, a lot, I know a lot of my drive to be athletic came from a fear from being lazy. Okay. Okay. You know? Uh, you know, like, but that was like behind the scenes for me for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, or, you know, go, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go, no, you go, Jess. You know, we, we, what you were just saying about leaders and, you know, the, the, them, you know, the fear of making your actions public that, you know, what if I stop? Like, what if, what if one day I don't do it? That is, that is a block for a lot of people. I was going to, I was going to kind of rise out of that really quick or zoom out of that. And one of the things that, we try to sell the leaders, you know, cause every leader, when they walk into the door of an organization, they've got this brand that they're trying to create. And sometimes it's, it's, if we, if we go head on and say, look, uh, make your running visible, we're probably gonna, we're probably gonna lose that war. Uh, but if we say, Hey, by doing this, your brand is a leader or your team will, uh, just by changing it slightly, adding that perspective, they start to open up to these things like, you know, making, making running visible. As soon as you just make it about them and their performance, they shut off. As mm -hmm. soon as you make it, as soon as you communicate the impact that it has on their brand and on their team, they start to listen a bit more. So that's a, a change in conversation that happens as well, just to get them to, to buy into what we do. Yeah, it makes sense. A lot of sense. The yeah. impact of it or the like you were talking about the impact of your communications also is part of that's the emotional wake you bring with what you're up to, you know, and you spoke yeah. about as, as kind of uh, the environment that you create or that you are. Right. And that's, yeah. a big, that's a big deal because, you know, if I'm doing the old imposter syndrome where I have to live up to something I'm not, and I'm probably going to be pretty fragile, right. In the long yeah. run. And yeah. because eventually I know, they're going to find out. And I'll never forget one of the worst things I ever experienced was that I, I was playing ball and I came across like, I wanted everybody to think it was always, you know, I'm on it, like we we're talking about. And then they start believing that. Now that's yeah. a problem because now yeah. they're in love with somebody I'm not, or they're connected to somebody I'm really not. And how do I live up to that? I mean, that I'll never forget that feeling about 
if I come out and say what's really going on, I'm going to lose everyone's respect. And yeah. then I come out and get authentic after, after a period of time where I can't hold, I can't contain it. I can't live up to it. I finally come out and confess it. And all of a sudden, um, you know, the, the pressure, what I realized was the pressure was people were backing away because they could, they could feel there was no connection. And when I let yeah. out what I was struggling with, they came closer because that's what they really connected with. That was one of the greatest breakthroughs I've ever, you know, kind of breakthrough revelations was Holy Toledo. My struggles, the things I work to hide are actually what connect me to other people and what other leaders then feel connected to rather because then I noticed I was always in this competition with really powerful alpha males up to about 17, 16, when I kind of just let myself be honest about where I was in this. I was playing ball with a team and we were doing very well and I messed up and it was a bunch of, you know, drama around it. And as soon as I just got real about it, I, I was isolated. And one minute later, we were, I was back into the team because I would open up and, and I told them what I was struggling with. And all of a sudden there were team members there going, me too, get it. How can I support you? It just opened up. And I, I've seen it happen so many times in the corporate environment where just people are afraid to say what's really there. And they're pretty soon they're so frustrated because their actions lack power to change anything because they're not really acting from where they are or where the team is. And then the minute they get real, even though there's this fear and, you know, you get all antsy and oh, am I going to get rejected? But when we, st that conversation happens, it's amazing the alignment that automatically occurs when that gets cleared up, when people connect with what's really going on. And yeah. then when they make action or they take action or plan action, it has impact. But uh, yeah. that's a big deal. I think, you know, for me, I know we work diligently in our culture to keep it that way because yeah. it's easy to, that's probably the easiest thing to, to lose, especially when you start performing well, right? It's like, oh man, I can't, if I blow it, they won't want me around anymore. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, the stakes, in, as, as you grow as a business, as you grow your brand, the, the stakes are higher. And, well, you, you know, know I, I find myself thinking, who do I want? It's not who can make a lot of money with me or who can make us successful. Like, who do I want to live my life with? But who, hmm. I don't want to just have somebody passing through because they can bring a big payday. That's great. I mean, sure, I'll take a payday, but I'd rather develop a long-term relationship that's going to work over a period of time where, you know, we can, there's no silos. I mean, you might, yeah. you know, my family, we know each other. There's a, it's communal. I mean, I think today when we're talking about holding talent and developing a culture, uh, it's vital to be connected to each other in a much yeah. deeper sense than just performing something together. That, Cause that's what we came together to perform this What else can we build and what, between each other that will continue to push that kind of risk and community further and further. Like, and, and what would make each of us proud to share our lives with one another? Like what kind of relationship is that? Well, how do yeah. you get that going? Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the next side, you know, think and connect that takes on. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And you brought up a good point about uh, talent, talent re retention. Um, and I think for like a global organization, one of the biggest challenges is first making something that's inclusive, which we do, something that is holistic, which we do. Um, but then also it's about creating that global language, right? Where everybody can relate to it. And it doesn't necessarily, the conversation doesn't necessarily change. The core of the conversation doesn't necessarily change. And what's been great about the work that we do, I'm gonna give it a shout out right now, is it does give well-being a global language. And it doesn't, it doesn't compartmentalize or segregate people from their practice in any given culture or region, part of the world. Everybody gets to celebrate it in their own way, and it shows up differently yeah, for everybody. You're going to have different, different levels. People can choose their level and connect with their tribe at that level. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think also the big thing, you know, when you look at the elements, I'll go back to the elements. People want to be told what to do. They want to be prescribed a journey that has a start and a finish. And when we come in and say, you know, fuck the finish line, um, 
I want you, I, I actually just want you to look at these four areas of your life, eat, sweat, think, and connect. Not only do I want you to look at these four areas, I want you to create how they're going to show up in your life. And not for a week or six weeks, but a standard of living, a lifestyle for a lifetime. Can you do that? When you start to hold the mirror up and, and people have to look at their actions, their beliefs and their, their, their behaviors and get creative, all of a sudden it starts to have more meaning to them. And not everybody gets it at first. Um, but when they start to think about these four areas and they have it in the back of their awareness, they become aware, they become aware of it on a day-to-day -day basis. They start to say, oh, I'm doing the eat element right now. Oh, you know what? I'm stressed. I'm going to go do the think element. And it has this really interesting impact that, you know, you don't get from a six-week program, that you don't get from a, you know, prescribed nutrition plan. <laughs> it becomes something that they own. And, and I think that that has a lot more meaning. And then really what we do is we just give them a platform to share and show. Okay, show us how you're doing it. And we, we remind and reinforce. And that's really it. And that's, that's, that's really simple. And I think that, you know, leaders, organizations, they want something that is complex, something that is, um, that is gonna, that is gonna provide the solution, not something that is just going to create focus. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's for us, that's a differentiator, but it's also, it can be a challenge, uh, when, when talking to a leader or an organization, I kind of went, came full circle back to the beginning of our conversation, but there you go. Uh, I, I but what you're doing is a pretty, it's a pretty new market, right? I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Cause it's pretty amazing that, you've got Cisco who's taking you into the organization and they've taken this on and embraced it. And there are other organizations in the world beginning to move in that direction. I mean, you're on the cutting edge of a, of really the kind of what's next it, because the corporation is getting bigger than just a place to go make money and just a place, yeah. right? Like it's not just a stepping stone. It's becoming a place where it's very holistic and the more holistic it is the more people stay engaged and want to play and participate and contribute, right? So, like, yeah. anything about the market, I'd love to hear about that. I, I know, like, what do you see happening in the next five years in that space? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, we're, we're moving into, well, it's, it's the gig economy, and then you guys brought up more recently, we're kind of going to transition to a barter economy. But for, for what it is right now, I think that talent is going to have an opportunity within organizations to dip in and out of projects. And I think that can be a challenge or it can be an opportunity. And when we look at the work that we do, if we can equip that individual going from a, one team to another team, from one project to another project with the tools to support their well-being, and we give them the platform and the, the awareness to share and show it, we're all of a sudden having a greater impact. And I think if we look at the market, it's about equipping that individual with the resources that they need to take into the different environments that they are engaging with, you know, the different projects and teams that they're a part of. Um, and I think if we go back to the individual, that's one way, but then also communicating to that individual the importance of, 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 the, of, of bringing that into the, the team's culture, the organization's culture. Um, you know, technology is a part of it, digitizing what we do. We've, we've done a decent job scaling. Um, but I think just making things accessible is key, obviously, when you're working with the global organization. How are some organization. ways you scaled it? You want to talk about some of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the great thing about working with Cisco is they're a tech company. So they're really familiar with, you know, uh, telepresence units. <laughs> they sell them um, or they sold them. They moved more to software. But they're just familiar with the technology, and that gives us a leg up. So even what we're doing right now, you know, podcasts, webinars, we can scale conversations. Um, when we look at the what we call the Pavelka House for Cisco, that is our online community that everyone has access to. That allows us to scale the conversation, um, give everybody the same experience. Make it um, social too, I socialize it quite a bit. Social, exactly, yeah. We can, start, we can start connecting people from different parts of the world um, where they can share best practice, ask questions. That's another way. Um, when we look at our leader programs and what we call our pioneer programs, our pioneers are our passionate people in organizations. Um, we've digitized those so you can, at the click of a button, get an experience that will educate you on what that looks like and, uh, and be a part of it. Um, you've got an app so, coming out, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, there's an app that, that came out too. Come on. Yeah. So, so you know, I told you a while ago that um, what we do is not prescriptive. Um, we don't give you a roadmap from starting point to finish line. Um, however, there was a high demand for a prescriptive journey, a program. And so um, on January 30th, we launched JP4, which is the four elements over a 90-day period. Um, so it's, it's your, it's, it, w when it comes to eat and sweat, it's kind of your, your traditional um, routine, exercise routine with meal plan. The meal plan's got tons of variety. Um, I call it a thinking person's program because you can't just like show up on autopilot and do it. You've got to think, you've got to plan, you've got to prep. And so, um, you know, going into fit, it. That, for anybody, fits, that, that fits the think aspect too, right? I mean, you it think. does. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of it's, you know, just being aware of what you're eating, but also it's about educating yourself. And this app does a great job of educating you um, along the way. Um, so you've got your standard kind of exercise and meal plan. Um, the meal plan has got your, you know, fully fully meat, fully veg, veg uh, vegetarian meal plans. Um, and the, the exercise program, we've got yoga, stretch and flow. We've got HIIT training, uh, resistance training. So there's some variety there. So you can pick your poison. What, what it makes it different from other apps is there's a series of podcasts um, that are part of the Think and the Connect elements um, and it takes you on a linear journey from day one to day 90 um, where you um, where you get to kind of go on this inward journey identifying where you're at um, identifying your what and your why for showing up engaging in the app and then when we go on the journey it's kind of an inward out um, from, from the inside out so we get people to start thinking about themselves uh, creating awareness of their thought life, uh, the emotions that come up in any given situation. Then we start to take it to the outside, the relationships that they have with people, places, and things. Um, we also look at being of service. We try to get them to experience the impact of getting out of yourself and into service and what that feels like and why it should be a part of your, your life. Um, and so, you know, to, to summarize, it's, it's the four elements in a 90-day journey, and it really gives you an experience that helps you identify how they show up in your world so that after the 90 days, they mean something to you. Excellent. Clear. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Yeah, it's after hearing, you know, you and I have known each other for a good while, and then after hearing you articulate what the work's about and the impact inside of organizations makes me... I've always been a fan of Patrick Lencioni. You guys probably know who this guy is. Uh, is that there's a book that he put out called Three Signs of a Miserable Job. And the three signs, the buckets are, you know, anonymity, irrelevance, and immeasurement. I think he made up the last term, but, well, you know, whatever. Um, but the immeasurement's like, you don't know, I don't know how to win around here, right? So it's like business-oriented. The first two really, I mean, your work inside of organizations kind of really scratch those itches. You know, like anonymity, like I don't know, like nobody knows me here and it doesn't matter. This gives a whole new arena. Yeah. People matter. are working at Cisco and, you know, being great at like creating what they create. And there's other, for all the people that work there, there's lots of other areas of life they're actually more passionate about that they love to talk about. And they would be, you know, they're like, let's say they're a B performer there, but when it comes to health, they're like an A performer and like gives an opportunity yeah. to be known and be seen and get connection that way, which is just beautiful. And, yeah. like, and, and even like the irrelevance piece, which is I think when people lose connection to the purpose of the work or the mission at work, I, mean, I, think, I think corporations are up against it right now and it's gonna get, it's gonna get worse later. If they don't realize that you know, hiring someone, you're hiring a whole person. Yeah. If they don't believe that their life will be better by working here, they're going somewhere else. Is they're going to yeah. get frustrated about the mission. They're going to disagree with what the senior leadership decision. And then if there aren't other ways in which working here, either like relationally and ease and commute, whatever, there's lots of ways that it could be. If I don't think my life's getting better by working here, at some point I'm bailing. And this yeah. is a way to really make the organization sticky and interconnected and really matter because, you know, the job is hard, but hey, by being here, I'm losing weight. By being here, I'm becoming a calmer person. By being here, I'm getting more connected to my wife. By being here, like how does 
working at Cisco or working wherever, how do I, I become the person I want to be here? Mm. Like, you know, yeah. the opportunity I yeah. don't think organizations entertain um, yeah. right next to how we're going to get done what we need to get done in the market and make money and be able to pay people. But how do we actually create the conversation inside the company and add, I mean, what you've done is like add intention to all these inherent human needs, right? I think that's why it's yeah. global, right? These yeah. Everybody's in some conversation about these. You're saying, hey, what if you looked at these a little bit longer, threw yourself mm -hmm. at it a little bit more, you know, took a few more extra steps in that direction, asked for more help. What if you did that? How, could, how, how great could your experience of the work be, your experience yeah. of life be? I'm just so compelled by the, um, the really the well-being and the vitality that comes out of these types of conversations, man. So it's, it's so inspiring. Yeah. Well, I think you hit the, the nail on the head. I think organizations are making the shift to um, how can, first of all, how can we get the work done to how can we create an experience with our people that impacts the world? How can we make people within this organization that change the world? Yeah. And, and create an ecosystem that is that is thriving, where everyone is connected in some way or feels a part of, and then also where they take that that um, that experience, um, the knowledge, the wisdom that they gain from that environment into the world, into their families at home to be able to make that better. And I think that you know what's been great about Cisco is they're there. they get that. and that's why we're that's why we're there providing the solution because they know it's important goes beyond the bottom line. Um, in fact, you know, obviously I have a biased opinion, but I think it's more important than the bottom line. So. <laughs> oh, you, human lives? Human yeah, lives yeah, are more important yeah, than the yeah. bottom line? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. There really is no, I mean, if you really get it, and human lives become really important, like the, the number one, you know, like, like you're talking about, really you're talking about a narrative that is con that has some continuity where people can see how to get from where they are to where they long to be, and the corporation is a facilitator in that. That's got to do nothing but affect the bottom line in a very powerful way because yeah. it it you're going to get the best creativity from them. Their their honest voice is going to be a way to hone the vision and to reinvent things in a way. Creativity comes out of that sense of of, you know, it's like I was watching John Cleese from Monty Python talk back in, on, on YouTube last night on creativity back in the 80s. And he was saying, you know, a, product, a production conversation is a very powerful but narrow conversation. There's not a lot of creativity in it. To get creativity, yeah. which produces more productivity, you've got to be kind of loose about it. You've got to be relaxed about it. It's got to be okay to have a wide range of seemingly unconnected conversations to get yeah. at what's wanted and needed. And for so long in the corporate space, it's, such, it's in such a, it has been in the past, in that industrial revolution kind of widgets producing widgets, right? Yeah. And now it's, it's becoming more human because it's being decentralized and with technology, people can work from home and, and go after what they're creative and what they're after, you know, what they long for. And people are finding ways to make livings in the most interesting ways. And that, that, that's yeah. why I see what you're doing is kind of loosening that space up where people can exercise that creative muscle where they, from, from, you know, eating and sweating to thinking and connecting. You can't, that's like the full narrative and you're forming yeah. a narrative that can really be like a legacy is passing that narrative on and in, you know, opening up and, and like, an, in, um, it's like a rite of passage. People come in the organization, they get oriented, and pretty soon they're taking it to the next level, right? And then the yeah. people leaving can feel feel like they made a difference in that continuity. Yeah. It's a big deal. I, I I love watching when you speak. I get that sense of a very large arc for the organization yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 well well put. Definitely. I just it I, it hits me with the relief. I mean, I'm thinking about all the execs I know that have lots of stories about how they don't have time or they're yeah. just, or, or, or in reality, they're just not that person. Like they're yeah. not the person yeah. who can like stand up there and like, you know, show their meal every day or something. They, they don't want to, you know, they're just not going to do that. And, and what's beautiful about you guys as a solution is they don't, they don't have to start by doing, they can start by championing the conversation, yeah. getting someone else in and letting, you know, they'll get credit for allowing the conversation to flourish. Permission. 
Just yeah. give permission. That's it. Say, say it's okay for you to do it. Even if you say, you know, it's not for me, but I give you permission is this is when it goes back to brand. I think as a leader, if you can sell the brand enhancement, then, then that's for a lot of leaders enough, you know? Yeah. 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 That's great. Well, yeah. This has been awesome. What you're up to. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Jesse. This has been very powerful, eye-opening conversation for a lot of leaders, a lot of organizations that aren't practicing this kind of stuff. And as from my perspective, just as I've been listening to this conversation, Adrian, you mentioned kind of this shift in culture and companies are going to, corporations are going to have to start looking at people as a holistic, as a whole person rather than a work person and leave yeah. your home life at home, you know, all those, you see this like scramble to have something like this by putting ping pong tables in and open yeah. bar and unlimited energy drinks. And that stuff is just not going to stick. Mm. And this is something that will stick. This is something that will treat the whole person in the corporate environment. And that's, yeah. that's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, but you, you know, you're talking more about WPR with the, uh, with the ping pong tables and everything else. And I think it's like getting them to actually use it with purpose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do, so. Yeah, nothing against yeah. ping pong tables. It's just, it's not going to get the work done. The, the work yeah. is deeper than that. It yeah. is, yeah. No, you, you, you're, you're absolutely right. So, so thank yeah. you guys. Thank you for such a, such a great conversation. I, you know, I, I'm coming out unscathed. I mean, there was a moment there that Dan almost pulled out some emotion, but I, I reeled it back in. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it. It's a, it's a minute 40 yeah. minutes. I saw it and I thought, here he is. Oh, never mind. I love, oh, cool. I love your work. You know, uh, it's just so compelling. You know, Thank uh, you. I'm thinking about, you know, people that lots of so many complaints in the marketplace now. It's like we can't find good people. Um, at least I hear that complaint all the time, which is a pretty, you know, dainty racket. And it's, and it's, um, you know, you, you guys help solve that issue because there's something that's yeah. not happening behind the walls. Because if, if somebody gets close to a company that's championing, you know, the core of what it means to be human, who can resist such a conversation? Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for that work. Thank you. No, thank you guys for this conversation. It's, it's been nice to kind of unpack some of it and, uh, bring some some focus to uh to the impact of it so thank you so much thank you jesse really an honor to work with you man appreciate your time and your thanks thanks guys thanks gentlemen we'll see you Well, there you have it, my friends. If you want to check out Jesse and all that he has going on, specifically that app that he mentioned, you can link to his website in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. If it's entertained you or helped you in any way, please go to iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. Also, the greatest compliment you can give us is sharing this podcast with the leaders in your life, those who are looking for a new way to lead. Stay safe and productive out there, my friends. And join us next week for another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast.